On today's show, we have Dirk Luth, the co-founder of Upland Me. We're going to discuss details about the project, funding, team, and many other exciting things regarding the metaverse. Dirk, let's start by giving us some background about yourself, please. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thanks, John. It's a great honor to be on your podcast, your video podcast. So my name is Dirk Luth. I'm one of the co-founders, as you said, of Upland. My background is I live here in Silicon Valley in the US. Originally, I'm from Germany, but by my accent probably, and started some companies before. Actually wrote my PhD about private and state-controlled currencies. That's a long time ago. And now I'm going full circle and going, you know, with all the crypto and new currencies which are coming out, which is quite interesting. We've also been involved with the whole crypto space since 2011 already which makes me somehow kind of an OG, yeah. kind of old here in that aspect. And then in 2018, put myself together then with my two co-founders, Manny Honigstein and Anita Zuckerman to start Upland. As I'm more the, let's say, crypto person or blockchain person, because I've been dealing that, uh, in that space since 10 years. They from, came from the gaming space and, you know, we had this inspiration uh, by the game of Monopoly, by explaining what Upland is in a second, uh, how we got together, you know, as a team, as a founder's team with different skills and experiences, you know, to start Upland. Now, I guess, you know, 2018, that's, there really was no games existing here in the space so much. I mean, how did you kind of prompt that start? Or did you see a problem in the marketplace that you decided you to start? Yeah, so I actually thought about the whole, you know, today everyone knows what an NFT is and so on, but back, back, I actually thought about the concept of NFTs back in 2013 or 14 already and was pitching that here, especially in Silicon Valley to some investors were kind of earlier said, you know, the world's going to be decentralized and they looked at me, was, what's this guy talking about, right? <laughs> so that was kind of, kind of interesting time. And then 2018, we said, okay, the problem was with all blockchain games or applications out there, they are not suited for the mass market because it's too complicated. You have private keys, wallets, passphrases. I mean, just forget <laughs> that. That's not what the average person is going to do. I said, okay, if we create a game, if we really want to do something, it has to be ready for that. And that's why we said, okay, what does this mean ready? And, you know, when you think about gaming and, you know, free-to-play games and mobile games, it's like, it has to be mobile first. So Upland, actually, we, we build it in, with mobile first in mind and we launched on the iOS and Android store. And so far, we're the only game who actually has achieved that in blockchain. So we are available on those stores. In the meantime, and people in our community were asking for it for quite, quite strongly, we also have desktop clients. So you can also, of course, now just a regular browser. So we're available on those three platforms, basically, and you know you can enjoy it. But building something for the mass market, yeah, one device is one thing, but the other thing is to make it simple to onboard. It's not just you know, with this passphrases and what I just mentioned. In Upland, you only need email and the password to sign in to create an account in, in, in Upland. So that's one thing. The other thing is that you can use a credit card and PayPal to purchase our in-app currency, which is called Apex. In Upland, uh, you can do that and you can also use crypto to purchase it. But also to extract monetary value out of it is, again, we're going after the mass market and we're completely aware that there's, you know, in the future, maybe markets look different, but the mass market is still with US dollars. So in Upland, you can sell your NFTs for US dollars to other players. So we have actually a partnership with Telia Pay, which is a subsidiary of, of Linden Labs, and they published once a second life, or they're still running it. And here you can actually, you know, because we get the full money transmitter license, which you need in the US, in order to sell, you know, the NFTs and then get extracted via PayPal in back into US dollars. Now you mentioned, obviously, the different mobile, Android, and desktop 
ways to play the game. Is there any type of analysis around like where the users are coming from? What type of jurisdictions do you see most play? Yeah, in terms of jurisdictions, in terms of countries, so we're based in the US and I probably have to explain what Uplink actually is, but it's currently available for the US. So we have 40, 50% roughly from the US and then we have maybe 30-ish percent from Europe and then 20% from Australia and, and Asia. So Uplink is currently available in English. That, of course, drives naturally, you know, who's who's using it in a certain sense, even though, of course, we're speaking of crypto, people are quite international everywhere they are. But we're seeing quite an uptick right now also from other countries, you know, Philippines, uh, South America, people getting on to it. All right, well, let's dive into that and tell us at the highest level, so everyone sure would like to know is what is Upland and what is the game about? Yeah, so we originally got inspired by the game of Monopoly. So that's everyone knows how, how that works. You know, that game you purchase streets and you know, and then you build on them and so on. It's uh, Upland's very similar. We say if you look at it on top here, you see play, earn, connect. These are our three strategic pillars. So play means actually you get when you zoom in, you get a map application, which looks a little bit like Google Map, a little different, of course, from visual. But you can go and zoom into maybe San Francisco, New York. We're currently live for 15 cities across the US. You don't have to be in those cities to play. Then you can purchase a property which is based on an actual address. That's what we do. And then once you purchase that, you start earning a yield on it, you know, because you have to purchase it with Apex and then you start earning an Apex yield on it, the 70% currently per annum. And then we gamify it further, very much like where we got our inspiration from. Now you can start and collect properties, maybe with the same characteristic, they're on the same street. So then you increase actually your yield once you complete that collection, or you do uh, maybe three museums, then you increase the yield even more because museums are harder to get. But this sets in motion the whole you know, supply and demand things that are the trading between, between the players. And then and on the play pillar, we have other game engagement coins. We have, for instance, we have the possibility to do treasure hunts, scavenger hunts. We have live events in the app. And soon we're going to introduce cars and car races. And we're super excited about that one where people can compete and can win prizes and, and so on. So it's a very, very cool stuff. So that's the play component. The next one is then our pillar. Next one is then earn. Earn is what all this play to earn games are about. And we are not different from that. However, our economy works a little bit different. First thing is that you build on top of your properties, maybe a house or maybe a skyscraper, and you can run and operate shops there. So we're introducing the shops this year and then more and more shops coming out next year. So now you as the player, you can start selling maybe outside decor to other players like virtual garden fans or, or something. You can do that for NFT for your Apex because all these are NFTs or you can sell them also for US dollars to, to other players. So which makes it, of course, interesting because that's how people extract monetary value or they earn money in Upland. So they are running real shops. We also, like as just said, we're going to introduce cars. Maybe you want to run a car shop or use car dealership or something in, in Upland. So all that is, uh, is, is going to come actually next year, but the first shops are going to be launching very soon. One special case is the Upland galleries or NFT galleries. So we just launched what we call NFT portal. So you will be able to import NFTs from other blockchains into Upland. So um, we just started with something on WAX, but going forward, you will have Solana, Ethereum, name, name them all, at least the most prominent ones. And you can import now 
your NFTs from those other blockchains. Maybe if it's digital art, now you can maybe run and operate an art gallery in Upland and display it there and then eventually also trade them. But you can also upload them back to the blockchain of origin if you want to do that, right? So that, that's also possible. So we obviously we have a strong thinking about the open metaverse so people can really go in and out. Just have to you know lay the foundation there on a technical technical level for that. So or maybe important maybe a, a, a car a racing car and you want to use that as a, as a racing piece in in upland and you know and then you can race and then can take it out again. So that's the second pillar and then the third pillar is all about connect. That means people can meet in virtual coffee shops or fan stores or in many other places, which is exciting. So we just closed the license deal with uh, the NFLPA. The National Football League Play Association. So you, what you can do now is you purchase certain things. I can explain this a little bit in more detail, but the idea is to purchase some NFTs, some legits, and collect them, and you can go to the stadium on the day of the game and so on. So it's really gamified. We really cast this whole idea of content utility to NFTs so they don't just don't sit in your wallets, but you can actually do something with your NFTs. Now, is there just, I guess, so I have an understanding, is there just a lot of different, you call them metaverses or different areas you could kind of play within the upland or how is that kind of broken down? What are the options? Yeah, so as we're live in different cities, so you go into, and first of all, people, somehow they feel in quotation mark, you know, home somewhere, even though maybe I live in France or Germany or Japan, wherever, but they still call their home, then maybe in the neighborhood of, you know, Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, their neighborhood, because they're mixing together with other like-minded uplanders. And then you do things in this neighborhood, right? Maybe do some, or especially in all of San Francisco, you do some, some treasure hunts, you know, or maybe there's a special scavenger hunt or some live tour or something happening in your neighborhood or around the neighborhood or in that city. Uh, so that, that's clearly the direction going forward. People will be able to designate their home address there, and then they can have some governance there that they can decide, people who live in that virtual neighborhood, what they want to have there, what kind of shops to, should be there. Or, right? So so it's really, you know, on a decentralized level that they can, uh, you know, define how their neighborhood should develop. When someone starts playing the game, what are the uh, items they typically first acquire? So, I mean, it's always recommended to go also in our Discord. We also today have a big community, obviously, to find out what strategically makes sense to purchase. Usually they purchase their first property and try to first, you know, complete their, their first collection. That's a typical onboarding, right? That when people come in, they see maybe podcasts like your podcast or they see an ad or something, they come into to Upland. You know, then they purchase the first property, they complete the first collection, and then they understand, okay, now I want to complete more collections, now I want to need to do offers to other players, right? Because this is, this is a true economy what we're building here, right? To make an offer to for some property in order to complete another collection. Or I want to have purchased that property because maybe it's the house of my real life and I want to own what I have in Upland, I want to own that real life. Or maybe it's a house of a celebrity, which my favorite musician maybe has lived there or something. So there's a different reason why people are purchasing properties. It has a lot of to do with emotions and you know how people feel about things. And then once you get into it, I mean, then you start doing maybe your first treasure hunt, right? You participate maybe in a live tour, or you buy some of those NFLPA legits because we we know when they are getting released, or there's a special match where they can actually go and try to get very unique ones and. 
you know, you start accumulating, you know, when, especially for the NFLPA, what we have here is called fan scores. So you collecting those legits, you increase your fan score, which, you know, which enables, you know, to get, you know, more rare NFTs, you know, on game days. So, yeah, there's a lot of game engagement points, how we call them, where, where people have to do something in, in the app. I do think it's those points that keeps them coming back into the app. You know, what is the stickiness of the app? One thing, maybe I took one step back, when people sign in for the first time in Upland, they only become what we call a, a visitor. You're in Upland only just temporary there, and you have to extend your visa at least once every week. Because otherwise, we take away the assets from you. Because this is very special about blockchain. Because if we would now, you know, someone starts playing and then, you know, he purchases all the properties, well, or just purchase some properties, but then because it's through ownership and then we cannot take it away from him because if he leave, decides for him or her to leave the game, then, you know, then you have a lot of idling, you know, properties which are not belonging to anyone, right? So we developed this very specific free-to-play game. So at the beginning, we have the control of the private keys still. Then when you haven't logged in for seven days, right, you lose the assets, everything you've bought, all the apex you own. Right. However, if you log in once a week, at least you keep them. So we don't take them away. And how can they avoid it? Where well, they avoid it by becoming an uplender. You become an uplender when you have more than 10,000 Apex, which is $10 of net worth. Right. And then you actually graduate and then we cannot take away your assets anymore. So which is an important fact, right? How, how, how we get to it. So that's what drives, especially at the beginning, people back to the game because they get, of course, emails saying, hey, do you want to sign in today? Otherwise, you lose your assets. And which gives us a quite a very significant retention number. So we have you know, roughly 60% of day seven retention. So that is very high when you think about mobile games, which usually have 10 to 15%. Because people, you know, they want to come back and keep their assets, which is quite important. That's the first thing for, let's say, the newbies who are joining Upland and why they're coming back. And then we have, of course, all the others who are trading all the time, anything in, in Upland, which can be, of course, the virtual properties. So you always get offers and or you want to purchase something or something comes onto the market. So you always go back and have then the reason to check check that back in or you want to trade and what we allow people going forward also to trade any nft against another nft so right now you can trade properties we can trade these nflpa legits right against each other but going forward once we have the nft portal live and going you will be able to trade let's say a crypto kitty for a property or take a nba top shots <laughs> for something from the nfl so, so that's pretty cool, actually, uh, you know, once this is live next year, it doesn't have to be always a monetary exchange. And so what blockchain did you guys choose to go with? So we are based on the EOS blockchain, right, which is a proof of stake blockchain. And I always get asked, why did you choose it? Right? For us was at that time, you know, because we were looking around the way we wanted as a mobile first. There was no way you could build an, at that time, Ethereum was an alternative, right? Building a mobile app on Ethereum was no chance to do that, right? So actually, that was one thing. The other thing is that we also were, okay, with all the gas fees, we also, you know, our users have a lot of interactions with blockchain and our business model just wouldn't work if we would have built it on Ethereum, right? Uh, the way it is. And that's the reason also because we only stake for the user, for the account, and then basically we can interact as much as we want with the blockchain. And then the scalability. So when we open up new cities, we have 180, because people are getting really excited when we open up these cities and they want to purchase quickly stuff. And with, I think the last city, we had 180 transactions per second, right? And, you know, that's that's also quite demanding for a blockchain to cope with that amount of demand. 
And so have you found that to be an advantage since the start? And you guys plan to stay there, I assume? Yeah, for us so far, we have no complaints. And I know there's a lot of tribalism about blockchains <laughs> out there and so on, but this is a hardcore crypto people. We are more for the average user and we want to create liquidity in our market. And when we get all those average users on board, right? The people don't care to be quite honest about the blockchain. They just want that it works actually quite differently, right? If we would tell them, hey, do a transaction, but you have to wait eight minutes until you see the result. There's no way you can do a game with that, right? It's good for normal crypto. Of course, when you transfer Bitcoin, it takes a while, then okay. But not in game when you want to see the immediate results, just not working. And I guess, you know, what is the size of the team that you guys are that are currently driving the project? So we are currently 80 people. So as of end of November in 2021, we are currently hiring two to three people a week. We just announced our round of funding. So we raised $18 million on a $300 million valuation. Did you guys get any, uh, I guess, grants or support from EOS? So EOS raised, I don't know the exact number, but around about $4 billion on their ICO a couple of years back. And they then gave uh, some of the, those funds to venture funds around the world. And one was actually was called FinLab in out of Frankfurt in Germany. And they then funded, our, you know, they were our seed investors. And they contributed also to the current round. But now our lead investor is um, Animoca Brands, right? Uh, you know, probably heard of them, right? who has a big portfolio of, of uh, blockchain games. You know, they own the sandbox, you know, on the website. <laughs> I think they're just almost in every major project they're involved, right? So so I guess, obviously, to get that type of valuation on current raise, I mean, how does the game make money? So it's very simple. We, we are selling Apex, right? This is our in-app currency. That's only in-app because main reason is regulatory in the U.S., so we're selling that for four US dollars, all right? And then people have to use to, can use those Apex in order to purchase NFTs or properties in Upland. So that's a very simple, simple model. And then we have also small fee when people transact on fiat currency. So when they're selling NFTs for US dollars, and then we have some other things in the pipeline, which we also can start some recurrent models. But right now it's basically everything's based on transactional NFT sales, uh, Apex sales. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking the same thing as me and that there's a lot of games that are currently trying to come to the market. And maybe what is it that makes certain ones unique and what's kind of going to be here in the long term and how do they attract the players? So first of all, we've been, you know, even though the company's only three years old, but it sounds like we're one of the oldest ones right now. So of course, there's a lot of games coming to the market. I think we as Upland, we have quite an advantage because we've been around now for a while and built a solid user and community base. But on the other hand, you have to, to make it engaging, right? So the one is the gameplay. So you have fun. So you attract gamers, let's say it like this. But then the whole play to earn, you also attract completely new types of demographics. Right now, most of the play to earn games, they're strong in Asia, right? Where people don't need that much money to make their daily living, of course, because of the price difference. But our clear vision is that we have also people in the US, in Europe, where you know the price level is higher, where people can actually make money. So we have here in the US, we have the first players that he's going to, you know, stop his job by the end of the year. He's going to 
tour the US and is just going to live from upland, right? As such, right? Which is great news. Because <laughs> the vision which we have is to create, you know, tons of entrepreneurs in upland, right? Running and operating businesses there. And there's going to be so many things what people can do. And that's also because what makes upland so special, because the thing you asked was, our main differentiator is that we are based on the real world. And then when you're based on the real world, you can imagine there's so many special use cases you can create around that, which makes us, I think, stand out. So is that kind of, I guess, like a moat around your current project? Yeah, that's that's the IR competitive advantage. So we see Upland more as a metaverse platform. So we just launched our third-party developer program where third parties can develop additional apps on top of Upland. So they can maybe develop a mini game or maybe a special shop and lots of other things. So they are already have lots of people reaching out to us. They said they want to do that. And there's one company now developing a a special portal where people can extract, you know, data, which we are not providing, right, from the blockchain, acquiring our API and all these kind of things to, to provide, you know, more information to the users. And we want these kind of things to have a flourish ecosystem. Well, can you maybe just describe also a little bit more in detail exactly what the play to earn is for any of the newcomers that are listening? So... Play to earn has probably different ways to look at it, right? Some play to earn is, you know, you own maybe some token, not in our world, but you take it, you know, and then you just put it somewhere because you just, you know, what's called staking. I want to make it super simple. And then people earn some interest of it, right? For the average person to understand it, right? In our world, it's a little bit different. We want to mimic, you know, let's say the real world and real world activities. We want to have a real economy. That means what do you do in real world? In the real world, you have a shop and you sell maybe T-shirts in your shop or whatever. That's exactly what we want to do. We want that people create something which they can then sell to other players or they provide services to other players, right? We clearly see also a world where maybe you have maybe employees in your shop because your shop is so popular and you have other people coming in and then they advise maybe some of the clients who are coming in or the customers on the things they should purchase and how they should purchase or there will be transportation in Upland. So maybe you have a store, but you have to buy your goods we want to sell somewhere else. So you need someone who has a truck, who operates a truck uh, business in Upland. <laughs> and then you need to put those assets you want to sell into the truck and transport it from left to right in order to be able to sell it. And so that's that's another type of business or so services, and but also the products which we want to have. And that's, uh, you know, I think that's very simple. And But there's also other type of jobs. Maybe you want to create cool looking houses houses or cool looking outside decor you do that as a as a service provider to someone right so you're, you're an artist because you can do that right then you provide that services to other players so there's a lot of those kind of things where the average person can quickly grasp the concept and can think about okay how can i make money in upland well how do you think the play to earn model will expand over the next few years when it comes to Upland, we'll go also to real life, right? So it's somehow, you know, you do something which you start maybe virtually, but then maybe completed in real life, right? So it can be gamified, cannot be gamified. So there's, a, you know, different use cases. In general, play to earn, I think we will see a broad variety of those different models, staking, mining, earning by providing services. So I think, let's see what, what resonates with the most people. And I think there will be also different target groups doing different things. So if you are, you know, let's say in the old world, if you were a stock trader, right, then, you know, you probably be very open to the speculative moments of the whole play to earn model. 
but when you were someone who you know who just enjoyed gaming and you know things or you're a big collector you know then you have different ways to enjoy it and then you have different reasons to go into different games into different parts of the metaverse in order to you know achieve what we're doing before but now in the crypto world i mean how will play to earn games be sustainable i mean i think there's just a big question whether or not they're all going to be here in five or ten years or the market's going to get flooded and only a few win how do you see this play out I think that's an excellent question. So I, we're looking at the current models of some of the play to earn and we think, oh, these are only games who work in the very bull times, right? That means, you know, prices are going up, you know, okay, you know, the more people come in, the more money you make. So, so these economies or these games have a high risk and it will happen that, you know, maybe Bitcoin goes down to 20,000 again, who knows, right? And then, and then all the other altcoins and all the others are going to drop as well. So those those games have a really risk to have for for crashing economies. You know? So I think when you build a gameplay to earn, you have to try to decouple it the best you can from the actual game economy. So when you have a token, for instance, right? You know, if the token is too close to the economy and the token depends on outside developments, on exchanges, on Bitcoin prices, whatever, right? Then it has a direct impact to your economy. That's the reason why we have shied away. So we don't have a token yet. We have an external token yet. We have one internal token, which is Apex. We have another token, which is called a Spark, which you need in order to build something in Upland as a resource token. We're also thinking about it. Should we have an outside token? How should it look like? But one thing we want to know for sure, we don't want to risk the stability of our economy just because to have a token which is outside tradable, because I think that would be not serving our community in the long run. I mean, a lot of these protocols or games tend to be heavily incentivized up front to get players or users on board. What happens after that when the incentives kind of diminish? Do you see anything kind of happening? They will not engage, right? They will lose interest and they will move on to the next thing. So you have a lot, a lot of people because at the beginning, all the games, you know, they tend to give you, you know, something, quotation marks, almost for free, right? And then everyone joins and gets excited. <laughs> but if there's no, no engagement points, right? The reasons to drive you back, to do something, to interact. It's not just the game engagement, but also the social aspects, right? That you, you know, maybe you meet in a community, you discuss things, how you strategize, how you can do things. If you don't have those components, most likely your, your game is going to die. And that's the risk of many games, developers and operators out there to just launch something, trying to attract lots of people quickly and, you know, make it bot-friendly especially, right? So they're going through the roof in terms of usage. People think, oh, that's the next big thing when they're <laughs> trying to capture money and so on. So I'm super skeptical of those things, right? And, and that they just won't be around for, for long. You mentioned uh, like the real economy. How do you think the real economy will grow from a metaverse blockchain game? So the real economy means, uh, first of all, what is that, right? So when you think about traditional games, that's pseudo economies, right? When I was the game operator, I could always decide, you know what, I'm going to change the rules. I'm going to change the exchange rate, right? How people can purchase the tokens or coins in my game, or I take stuff away from them because I don't like them or whatever, right? So all that is not possible anymore. If you're on blockchain, it's a real economy. And that means, for in our case, for instance, we have a fixed exchange rate between $1, 1,000 APEX, right? So we left that as a fixed exchange rate because if we would have that free floating also within upland, 
then people would not understand, okay, is now the prices are going up because of the exchange rate or is it going up because my, my property is increasing in value or what, what's happening here, right? So we want to make it super simple for people to understand. But that's what you need to have in the open economy. You need to understand that it's not just by the speculation, because speculations always make economies very often crash. What you need to have in an economy is what, what I call velocity. That means interactions, transactions between the players, the more they transact between themselves, the more robust your economy gets. And that is what is important. So right now we're subsidizing. When you purchase a property, you're earning a yield of 17%. We always said, hey guys, also we did that as an incentive at the beginning to start some, some interactions, but we're going to reduce that yield. That was always communicated to our community at a certain point. And because now you have other ways of earning money, you can operate a shop, you can provide services, right? That's how you're going to make money and not just by getting free money from the game operator. How does the real estate in the metaverse tie into real world? Is the same characteristics in the real world similar to the game based on like location, value or so? You know, what are the characteristics in the metaverse that are help increase the value of that real estate? Yeah, so real estate in the metaverse has always belonged to location, location, location. And there's a little bit different uh, in the sense of, you know, of course, so... If you're any metaverse, not just us, it's always okay. Who is around you? You know what kind of activity is there, right? If you have a big brand, you know, there's a big brand who decided to move into the into this particular metaverse and they're building something there. Then, of course, this is a magnet for lots of people to go there, and you have a lot of interactions there and liquidity and and so on. So that's that's one thing where people are. In the case of Upland, we have an additional feature. Is the real world. So that means, okay, people have always dreamt that they have a, maybe an apartment next to the ocean, right? So they now they can have it, even though it's just virtually, right? So they can do this. Or it's the apartment of the celebrity they want to own or whatever reason why they purchase something, you know, why it drives value to certain things. In Upland, we actually have been using, you know, some publicly available data like from Zillow or so on to derive prices in Upland for, for properties. But what also drives certain pricing in, in our world is, you know, the collection. So when you know, okay, this property belongs to a collection, then of course the price will go up because lots of people want to maybe have that one particular property. What is the best way for people to, I guess, that are first joining the game to get a good understanding of what to pay for certain properties or how to make that best investment? Yeah, I think it would be, of course, do your research, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's really... <laughs> So, I mean, first of all, understand the city you're going into, right? And then to understand which properties might have a certain value because they're in a certain area of the city. And then go and join the endless you know, discourse, watch YouTube channels where people, because we as a, as a game operator never give any strategic advice what you should buy, but we want the community to, to provide that, right? And help each other find the right things to buy. How much time do you think people will actually spend in the metaverse and how much fulfillment they will get out of it. Depends, you know, Metaverse, you have Fortnite's a Metaverse, right? And we know that, you know, the young kids, they're spending four or five hours instead of watching TV now, they're spending time there. It's not just playing, but also socializing, right? I, I have kids, you know, they always, you know, talk about school, friends, whatever, while they play. So it's not just about playing all the time and, and have only that as a content. So I think it depends on, on blockchain metaverse, probably not that much of time yet because we are at the very beginning of developing those immersive experiences. And I think that will only increase. Now, right now, people are purchasing land 
you know, in our case, you know, they're building something on it and other cases, they also have some creator possibilities. So I think right now I tend to say, and this is just my hunch, right? I think compared to normal game, probably people spend maybe a fifth or a sixth of the time in blockchain metaverse. But I think that's going to change and it's going to get more than a normal metaverse without blockchain. And they are part the reason is because now people start to understand, okay, what I own here, right? It's mine, it's ownership. And that this psychology knowledge that I can now do something with my own stuff will eventually drive much more engagement and will you know, have the result that people spend more time in blockchain metaverse than in normal metaverse. That's the reason why all the gaming companies are, I guess right now they're all waking up say, oh, because before, like two or three years ago, I said, yeah, this blockchain stuff and NFT and whatever. But now <laughs> they say, okay, now we understand what's happening. <laughs> well, I think some of us, you know, who may not be like, let's, let's say a teenager anymore, you know, it's just asking the question like, hey, you know, with all these different projects that are being built out today, you know, what, what's the reality of people using them? And what's the reality of how much time people will actually spend in them? And even at what age, you know, even if it's younger folks or older folks? Yeah. So we position ourselves, you know, Upland, we say, when you're young, you play Roblox, then you have Minecraft, and we grow out of all of that, you know, then there's uh, Upland going forward, right? So that's how we're going <laughs> to see it. And I think we're just, as I said, we're just at the beginning of it. It's too early to tell how much time, but eventually people... We know, I mean, probably heard it everywhere as well, right? With all this COVID, you know, we're used to now doing Zooms all the time. Do we used to live more digitally, right? But I think one important aspect is when you think about that, you know, in real life, unfortunately, right, we have a lot of robots replacing normal jobs and, you know, they're becoming smarter and smarter via artificial intelligence and so on. But where we humans excel, the strongest is in our creativity. And in the metaverse, you can be very, very creative. And I think that's why we see also because of all the say, societal developments, that's why you will see people will spend more and more time, not just for playing, for entertainment, but also for socializing, what I said, but also the third component for really earning money there. And that it could well be that maybe in 10, 20 years time, people spend six, eight hours doing something in the metaverse, eventually to make their living and not just by, by having fun. You know, I have a lot of uh, people that have been real estate investors and typically everyone owns some real estate over their course of their life. So from a real estate play, how do those investors look at these games and how they make the best decisions on maybe picking the best properties or is there larger brands that are coming in currently and actually paying for advertising space and how do you model those cash flows out and kind of start to start your research basically yeah so first of your question brands are now coming in yes that is true so we also brands who are reaching out to us now who want to work with us and, and find it out but it's not just let's say you're not just taking your web 1.0 or 1.20, right? The internet and, you know, just translate it into, into web 3.0, right? Just not fire up a store and hopefully people will come and they buy something or so. Really have to think about what is it about. You have to think about community. You have to think about gamification of your, the way you sell it, right? So that's, 
I always say, you know, we have all the three steps of, you know, commerce. We have Web 1.0 was e-commerce, then Web 2.0 was social commerce, and now we have Web 3.0 is community commerce. And I, you know, have some ideas where this will be going, but you will hopefully use your community in order to sell your product. So it's not you directly anymore, but you need to have ambassadors who are doing that for you. So that's significantly changing going forward. But when you have no commerce at certain places, when you to your question is, uh, how do you pick the right places? You know, it's like in real life, when, when there's a mall built in a place, right? You want to be near that mall in order to run maybe your own shop there, right? You know, because people are driving there to, to see something. So it's very similar approaches here to think about, right? Then in the metaverse also, you have, like in the real world, you have aspects which are important, maybe the size of your plot, right? What can you build on it, right? What you're allowed to build on it. Then how easily you can find people it. Advertising, I don't know whether we're going to see advertising in, in Metaverse. Maybe people will operate businesses where they sell billboards and all these kind of things. But I think it's not going to be, this is what is so new about blockchain. Because, for instance, we only take email and, and password from our users, but we don't know who they are really. I mean, they have pseudonyms, uh, you know, they're, they're called funny names, right? And uh, we don't know what, what kind of genders behind them. You know, we don't care at the end of the day, right? That's a little bit our approach to it. However, there might be others coming in going forward who have a lot of user data and want to use that data in order to drive certain experiences or sell something to, you know, to others. And that's where I hope that the consumers will win here and that they can decide what kind of data they will share when and where. So we don't do the same mistakes we've done pretty much on Web 2.0. And so you guys also on the uh, UPEX token currently is not tradable outside the platform correct that's correct don't don't mix it up with it as an apex token it's tradable but has nothing to do with us (laughs) it's just the same coincidence with the same name and do you see it ever trading in on exchange or anything in the future outside the game i don't want to say 100 percent no but right now pretty much you know 99 percent or so Because it's just a regulatory reason. I'd rather see us doing another token, which is somehow combined with that, but not Apex. I, I don't see that at this point. And what other plans do you have to expand to any other multiple consoles or platforms? We want to be cross-platform, right? And especially when we see Upland goes through three phases, right? So one phase is the uh, first phase of what we call the infrastructure phase, where we sold land, basically. The second phase of what we call economy, where people run and operate their shops and do stuff. And then the third phase is what we're excited, most excited about is the what we call mixed reality. So once we have all the augmented reality glasses and VR and, and so on, all that is available. So people are really going, you know, into real life, back into virtual life and, and back and forth and that blurs somehow. That's how we see it. I, I think console could be interesting, but I'm personally more excited about uh, what's coming with the, with the new devices. All right. And anything else that we might not have covered that you'd like to also mention or go over? I think what's very important for the metaverse industry as such is the interoperability, right? Because that we put the users at the center of our thinking, right? It's not that, that someone owns and builds a walled garden and tries to avoid that people can, you know, escape, really make it that people are in the middle and that they can actually take their assets and go elsewhere. So, I mean, we're not there yet. And, you know, it takes probably still some probably months, if not years, that is really running. But I'm hopeful that maybe five to 10 years time, this interoperability is gone. And then you have a you have a certain identity and you take all the assets, you know, from one world to the other p- parts of the world. 
which is super compelling as a concept. Yeah. What's your vision and kind of how do you see the industry as a whole play out over the next five years and how far are we going to get with development? So we we a much faster trajectory than we were with, let's say, Web 1.0, right? Web 1.0 basically started somewhere in the mid-90s and, you know, until we got somewhere, you know, took 20 years almost, right? And But now since all the technologies die, you have cloud computing, you have the blockchains and you have all that. So I think I, I'm very bullish that in five years we see that people will spend a lot of time and, and money in the metaverse so that's that's coming faster than than we think and because especially right now it's just amazing how dynamic everything is uh, all the big brands coming on board i mean first now the big game providers are coming here but then you have also classical brands you know we've seen that you know sports brands are coming entertainment brands but not too long you know you will see you know all types of you know consumer packaged goods and whatever they are going to be in the metaverse somehow and that's going to go faster than you think the questions the big questions of course Will the metaverse be owned by one, two, or three companies in quotation marks? Or will it be really be the place where, you know, there will be many providers and me as the consumer, I have the choice where I want to go, where what I want to do is very much like in the old days. Today, I want to watch sports on television or maybe some music videos. I have the choice to do and I just go from left to right, but it's me making those choices and I'm in control of everything. And this hope, my big hope is that we achieve that because then we really can say, okay, that was really progress and compared to what we're having you know, mostly today. How about as a co-founder of this project, what's maybe some advice for anybody who may be starting to want to actually build something with Web3 today and best way to get started? So the best way to get started is, first of all, don't think, oh, I make a quick project, quick bug, you know, and do it half a year. I think, that, first of all, I think that's in general, when you're an entrepreneur, that's the wrong attitude, right? So you should not really do that. And then you think should think about, okay, what do, I mean, it depends on your, on your use case, right? And then you pick the right blockchain or right protocol you want to be on, and then you develop it. But it's, the good news is there's a lot of helpful communities out there, right, who we can always tap into. The bad news is when you, let's say, when you're a technologist and want to develop something, blockchain is so young, we also have that, right? When you In the old world, when you had a technology problem, you Google it, someone had the problem before, you find the solution. No, you Google it. Uh, you, don't, you don't find anyone who, who has dealt with the same issue before. It's kind of interesting as you have to always find your own solutions. But otherwise, tap into those those communities, learn, you know, educate yourself for three, four months, and but be aware of this tribalism, right? Don't fall into the trap and say because you're just in one blockchain community that this is the ultimate version of everything. It's just today they're all comparable to my mind. It's not about that. Think about your use case, what you want to do, want to achieve with that, what problem are you solving, or what kind of entertainment you want to provide. And then, you know, and blockchain should be an afterthought, you know, the protocol you're using. That's always how it works. Dirk, I appreciate coming out today. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for, for having me.